Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I am so grateful you've joined us on another episode where week after week, I find these amazing leaders who share their leadership insights with you and hopefully inspire you. And you know what I always say, if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, download. We love downloads, but most importantly, share this episode with at least one person who could benefit from this amazing content. And now I am so honored to share the mic with my amazing guest, Jay Andres, who is the former CEO of My Dubai Bottled Water in the UAE. He was My Dubai's first employee, and within six years, Jay and his team built a factory and a business that is doing over $100 million in annual revenue, and he was there for the onboarding of over 1,000 employees within those six years. And under his leadership, a factory of 50,000 square feet was built and then expanded to over 420 20,000 square feet. The foundation was built and the company has continued to thrive to this day and he continues to serve on the board of directors. He has many, many accomplishments as well as a book, Manager's Bathroom Book. I cannot wait to get into this amazing resource, but first and foremost, Jay, welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Deb. It's uh, great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Oh, and I am especially to continue it because a little bit for my listeners, as always, I am always in pursuit of those C-suite leaders, those CEOs, presidents, founders of companies that I find just have amazing backstories and their leadership insights are so valuable to my audience. And that was what I experienced. And again, can't wait to get into his book with you. But Jay, I would just simply love for you to share a bit about yourself personally with our listeners and a bit about your journey into the work that you've been doing now. Sure, I'll try to condense it down into a few seconds. Uh, it's, a, it's been a 40-year career in bottled water. And I started out at the, the very bottom. I started out as a relief route uh, person in Los Angeles. I eventually got promoted. I got promoted very young. And because of that, I stayed in that first position a long time, 11 years, longer than average, before I promoted to the next position. But during that 11 years, I matured and learned some difficult lessons. And after I made it to that next step, then promotions came somewhat regularly until I retired or I attempted to retire at age 52. Found out uh, pretty quickly I wasn't very good at that. My wife would tell people that uh, she became Jay's only employee. And uh, I was doing PowerPoint reviews with her monthly. And it was just, it was time to go back to work within 14 months. And I thought I'd do something transitional to to bridge me to a, a real retirement. And fast forward uh, a few months, and we're in the Middle East working for a, a bottled water company over there. I was there a little less than two years when the government of Dubai recruited me to start a water company. And I was the ver- very first employee when I joined. All we had was a brand name, and uh, We'd had a tender written for building the factory that was 90% done and it was wrong. There was many, mis- there was some mistakes in it. It was too late to change. So it was a very interesting start. 
I remember my second day going home and telling my wife, we might not be here much longer because I discovered some things that I, if I'd asked during my interview process, I probably would not have taken the job. I'm glad I didn't ask him because the job turned out to be fantastic. But we we had some funding issues and just our our board knew the business very well, but not the bottled water business. So there were some challenges in terms of growth in that regard. But like you say, it, it, it turned out great. It was a, a great cap to a, a, a long career. We loved living there. It was uh, safe. We met people from all over the world. It really changed our perspective on things. And uh, we still have friends from those six years that we still are in contact and see. It was just uh, an amazing experience. It, it was difficult to come home in some ways, but we made it back home. And I'm still involved to some extent. What I'm really curious about, though, because you said you were at a juncture where once you got in, you regretted because you saw some things that you weren't sure could be fixed or were extreme challenges. But then you fast forward really fast and said, oh, by the way, it was one of the best experiences I ever had. Yeah. So what was it in that interim for which you said, oh, I got a bit of regret to turning it around and getting through that challenge? Well, one example would be if I had asked them, how much money do we have to fund this venture? And they told me I probably want to take them the job because it just wasn't enough. But I was already on the job, so I just worked on convincing them we needed more, more than double what they had budgeted. And I didn't know that they were in a very good position financially. It's a, it's the government and it's a utility. So, but I learned that as as time went on, and uh, and they were good at uh, listening to my point of view and ideas. And it took about two or three months to get that funding, and we were in fast forward too. The, we had already putting out bids for the, the job and everything, and I had to hire people, brand the business, do everything with a, a very minimal budget. But once that was fixed, then uh, we were off to the races. And I remember, I think my first week, I sat in the office and out loud, I was the only one in there, I said to myself, what are you going to do now, Jay? <laughs> because I, I really, they, they didn't have any direction, really. Uh, they just wanted to be a high quality and a, a good company. And I remember drawing up an org chart when I thought the company should look like one year from today. This was really the first time I was ever a CEO. So I was really uh, learning on, on the way. And so I did that. And then I'd write things down where nobody could see just ideas. And one of the things I wrote down is we have to be different because it was a very crowded field, very competitive. And water, by definition, is difficult to differentiate. It's supposed to be tasteless, odorless, and colorless. So it's hard to differentiate with uh, those ground rules. But we did it in terms of service people and how we approach the business. The other thing I remember writing down was uh, we'll endeavor to be the employer of choice. And we didn't do that by overpaying, but we had specific plans of, on how to treat people and how to keep morale up and how to communicate and then things like that. So, and the nice thing, I, I didn't know this till I experienced, but I'd gone into different assignments throughout my career and had to change or adjust or modify the culture. Well, here I was creating one. And I was creating a culture that brought people from all over the world. I mean, we had 27 different nationalities, one American, and that was me, but it was mostly people from the subcontinent, India, Nepal, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and probably 15, 20% Filipinos and lots of uh, Middle Eastern Arabs and non-Arab uh, Middle Eastern people. So 
It was uh, it was really exciting. I should have wrote a book about that, but the manager's bathroom book, I wrote that during that brief retirement period, just set it aside. Then COVID took away all my excuses for publishing it. I finally got it published uh, during the first year of COVID. I cannot wait to get into some of those chapters of that work because, again, my audience will get to the reasons why I think it's so exciting. But I want to come back a little bit. One of the things that I talk about is is creating your own whiteboard when you're in a situation where you just don't know what direction to go in. In fact, I'm looking at one right now. I've got all kinds of random thoughts put up there. Sometimes when leaders are stuck, you just need to have a clean slate, put the ideas down there, and have the courage to try to envision what the future looks like and let it rumorate and simmer a little bit. And then again, look at it and say, does this make sense? And lead with that. So I really love the fact that starting from scratch is hard, but it's also very exciting. Yeah. I think during my career, when I got stuck, what I tried to look at was what would someone new do here? And I tried to consider myself being new because new people come in, they don't have the history. They're learning the background, but they have their ideas and their vision. And, uh, that's what I would do. Once in a while, I'd feel like we're kind of bogged down or we're not progressing at the rate I would want us to progress at. What would someone who doesn't know this business or know us do? What would they look at and what would they try to adjust? Mm-hmm. So I still had all the history and background, but it was kind of a, a shift in my mindset to kind of get out of a rut, if you will. I think that is amazing insight because whether you're a CEO or just moving up in your career, sometimes we get stuck and that's okay. Great mm-hmm. things happen on the other end of just being patient with the process and and thinking a bit versus just doing. But I got one right. more question about, you said this is really your first CEO job. Again, you'd have significant leadership in very large mm-hmm. organizations. What was in your mind when you extended this offer or even thinking to apply for it because some people say, oh, I've never been a CEO. Oh, I've never been in that role. I can't do that. So people don't put themselves out there. What was it about this position that you said, yes, or you were ready or what? <laughs> well, I I have to give credit to my wife, actually. She may not want to hear this all to keep her away from this podcast, but she was kind of the reason why I took it. She's the one who said, hey, if not you, who else? Is there anyone else who knows this business as well as you do in the country that you know? And I said, no. And I said, there was parts of the being a CEO that I'd understand. She goes, she basically said, that's been the case with every job you've ever taken, but you've shown the ability to adapt and learn. So it was really her encouragement. She kind of wanted to go home too. And she said, two years, we'll stay two years. And ended up being uh, another six. Um, but yeah, she was the one who kind of gave me the uh, the confidence to to move forward on it. And that may be the best mic drop moment, <laughs> yeah. if not you, who else? So kudos to the support system at home. We cannot forget them. They are part of who we sometimes become. That's right. So beautiful story, and I can resonate so much with that. But I really want to make sure I dedicate some time to this book, The Manager's Bathroom Book. And I will tell my audience when I saw this, it is the picture of a great thinker sitting on a commode. (laughs) And it was like, oh my God, that is so artistic. Because I know I publish a book. And if you go with a significant publisher, they have a lot of creative liberties over what that cover looks like. But when you self-publish, you can put anything you want out there to express what you really want. So tell me a little bit about the inspiration for the cover. I think we should talk about that a bit. Well. I came up with the uh, the book before the title. I wrote the book. I didn't have a title. 
Oh. And uh, <laughs> I knew I wanted to write short chapters because even 10, 12 years ago, that's kind of where learning was shifting. Uh, everyone's got ADHD and their their minds are going. Uh, I, I know people can carry on two conversations at the same time. And, you know, we're, we're watching television while we're on our phone or our iPad. So I thought, I'll give you something that's, uh, you know, you can read in, in short little bursts. And it's my thoughts. I like brevity. You know, one of the things I share with new staff or one of my idiosyncrasies is if you're um, what I would call long-winded, um, my mind will wander. I've gotten tests uh, over the years that I was either a really good listener or I test sometimes as a poor listener. Finally worked with some psychologist and asked them, gave them my scores and said, why am I getting these mixed messages? And they said, when you're talking to someone you're interested in, you're an incredible listener. But if you're talking to someone who bores you, you go to your happy place and you don't, you don't pay attention. So that's why I thought the book would uh, reach people. And uh, it's I was on another podcast and this person is an expert in curiosity. And she's very well known for her, her work with this. And uh, she said, I was so happy to see you. Uh, had a chapter on curiosity. And I said, yeah, you spent your whole life on it. I distilled it down to three pages. <laughs> so I think that's what some people at times need to take a deeper dive. But some of these topics, I think, uh, and some of the more basic topics, some of the things you don't think about, like uh, visibility or um, you know, surfacing resistance or you know when you make mistakes, there's some good parts of uh, making mistakes and learnings that you should focus on. So I hope that I have gotten comments back from people that, uh, and one comment uh, where uh, someone was, uh, a guy's girlfriend was going to fire someone for the first time. And he said, you should read this book. And she changed her approach on the termination and it made it go much smoother. And that's, that's where I really got uh, felt good about the book when it could help somebody. Thank you for that. I, I remember one person who picked up my book. And they were reading the very first chapter because I write the first chapter directly as if I'm having a conversation with them. And I said, you know, I know where you're at. You're stuck. I care about you. I want you to move forward. But you might need to think about your leadership differently. And if you're not ready, please put the chapter down, put the book down. Right. And the person reached out to me and actually said they felt like I was talking directly to them and talking exactly to their story. So we have to write. We have to express directly to people and not like speaking above them. But again, these books that we write, our thoughts are so valuable. That's why I'm encouraging so many people, write books, put your content yeah. out there, because if it's important to you, you may be speaking to so many other people that need to hear your insights. Yeah. And as, as far as the cover too, I, yeah. I'm sort of a frustrated marketing person. I was more on the sales side, but I love marketing. And, you know, just in the input I had in designing our bottles and our labels and so forth, I know it's really important. And sometimes that's what sells. That's really was one of the big success stories of my Dubai was our packaging um, that caused people to try it. And then the taste made them come back. The book cover, I've had people say to me, yeah, I bought your book just because of the book cover. I haven't even read it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't care as long as you uh, enjoy it. But, uh, and I just thought um, the whole concept of man of a bathroom book doesn't work everywhere in the world. Yeah, there's just different customs in some places, but uh, it's amazing how many parts of the world who uh, who understand the concept. Though it's a short book, uh, something I can read, and I'm, I don't have a lot of time, and uh, so it, it seems to have resonated pretty well in terms of uh, 
acceptance of it. And I also, what I like is the fact that you you took that creative liberty on the cover because it does stand out. Like you said, people bought the book because of the cover. When there are so many technical experts, CEOs of companies, it, it can't be a commodity anymore. You know, here's another book on leadership. No, we do right. have to stand out. And learning how to market ourselves is a craft. And I know I've had people come to me for just a quick 30-minute conversation. When I listen to who they are or what are their unique thoughts, I said, did you need realize that you are this? And they said, oh my goodness, I never thought of myself. But when you deeply listen to somebody, you can see qualities about who they are and what differentiates them from the rest of the pack. And we don't spend enough time bouncing ideas off and finding out what makes us really unique in our career. Uh Yeah, and I think maybe the good example of that is probably the first chapter in the book, which is uh, resisting a bad idea and surviving. You know, we all work somewhere where sometimes there's a bad idea, right? And it we think it's a bad idea. Sometimes it truly is a bad idea. And the, that chapter gives you tips on how to deal with that situation. And it kind of depends on where you're at in your career on how you should deal with it. But uh, it's it's a real trick box. It can, you know, resisting can cause a lot of trouble. So you have to be really careful and I think rather precise on how you do it. So um, that that's my that's my favorite chapter. And that's why I put it first. And I didn't want any of my staff, I didn't want to publish this before I, I knew I was done working because I didn't want people using my old tricks against me to resist my bad idea. Well, let's go there for a second because I, I was going to have some follow-up questions here. Okay, but sure. If, well, I don't want to give all your tips and tricks away in the book. I want people to go out and get the manager's bathroom book. But what's something that you want to share with people about that first chapter? Resisting a bad idea and surviving. <laughs> Don't resist it initially. Even if you think it's a bad idea, if you resist initially, right from the beginning, then that kind of paints yourself into a corner. And later on, if you find out it's a, a good idea, you're kind of in a bad spot. Also, even if you don't prevail, the, the idea gets launched and it fails, then you could be blamed for it because of your bad attitude, even though it was the bad idea's fault. So just try to keep those thoughts to yourself. I think the other thing, too, is uh, don't create a coalition against your boss. Don't, uh, a conspiracy or, uh, you know, if you resist, you know, wait till others surface. Uh, you, you have to be very careful not uh, your boss viewing you as someone who's trying to get people against me just because of this idea. And m- most people who've given me comments on a thing say, it makes me kind of not want to resist a bad idea. I, I don't want to resist a bad idea now. And I go, well, that's good. You should be very careful about this, particularly when you're new to the organization or your boss is new to the organization. So it's really a chapter about caution, I think. And I would respond to that as well because, yeah, in my world, things are black and white. But on the other hand, there's gray if you seek to understand. So there may be context that you initially don't have, history or understanding right. of the organization. So as soon as you get that uh, in your stomach, like, oh, this is not going to work. This is not good. I've been there before uh, or what have you. Definitely just ask some questions. Don't react. Sleep on it. Maybe right. come forward and ask some questions in the form of curiosity. <laughs> maybe other people are thinking about it. And maybe once right. you... You might spawn some conversation and other people might say, start asking questions. And then the collective might either say it is a good idea or maybe we need to evolve it. Right. The minute you're re- viewed as a resistor, then any ideas you have, will be those will be rejected. So sometimes a bad idea can become a good idea if it's adjusted a little bit. 
you're not going to be able to adjust it or play a role in adjusting it if you're viewed as a resistor. So I totally that, get that's that. why you should be so careful. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. So another thing I want to ask you, because again, the book's been out there for, you know, two and a half years, you must have gotten some feedback from your readers. Have they provided any feedback and saying, this was really a good chapter? What what have been the most useful chapters from your readers? Yeah, I think one of the ones is there, there's a chapter in knowing when it's time to leave, uh, leave a company, you know, to quit a job. And people have read that and uh, it it affirmed their decision or made them think more, or, uh, go back and say, maybe it's not time to, to leave. Maybe it's time for me to change. So I think that was, cause that's, you know, that's gotta be a top five decision in your life besides getting married and a, a few others, but when, when to leave a job or take another one is, uh, you know, it's a really, really big decision. And if I, if I help some people through that thought process, you know, that's, that's very rewarding as well. Is there any others that really jump out? I think building trust. There's a chapter on building trust. I've always thought that had to be the cornerstone to to leadership. I would tell people when I take over an organization that, uh, you know, we're going to build trust. And the definition of trust will be that we'll be able to disagree and disagree passionately, but still know that we'll be here tomorrow. And I, I say the person I disagree and have the most arguments with on the planet is my wife, who I love the most, too. So, you know, there's some there's some trust there. And uh, you know that you can disagree, but uh, move forward. And uh, that's where we have to get. Because I want that openness where people aren't afraid to disagree. And you get their true feelings. And also, I want to be able to tell them when I disagree and have them not get too hurt. So I, I think that's a real, um, once you have trust built up, I think an organization can just take off usually. No, I, I love that because again, today is one work encounter, one career, mm-hmm. one particular job. But I will tell you, the universe has funny ways of coming back around, whether you meet up with those people again, or they told somebody about the relationship and then you meet up with them and it has uh, a tendency to take a life of its own in a negative way. Or yeah. if you paid respect, maybe even had to let people go, shut a plant down. I have had to do that. But mm-hmm. when people at the end of the day feel that they've been respected, and even at the end of the day, they say, I would work for you again, even though you you let them go. That's what it's about. It's about that human connectivity far beyond just the circumstance that you're involved in right now. Yeah. One of the diagnostic tests I had in my uh, early years of management was that I went to this assessment center. It was a week long thing at the end. 
got a lot of positive feedback, but one of the negative things they said, you probably will never go very high in an organization. And the, the main reason, and I'll, I'll paraphrase, is you care too much. And I'm paraphrasing. You got to be a little more cold-blooded, a little more ruthless um, if you want to get to the top of an organization. That's not how you're wired. I didn't believe that, and I don't think I changed because of that. And I think that you do have to be careful because, I, I mean, I do care about people a lot, but, and some will take advantage of that at times, but you just be mindful of that, and I think uh, it can work still. So it did for me. And I hate conflict or controversy when I've been faced with having to let people go. I work hard on a script to make sure that I have everything because I'll get nervous. But then I, I lead with gratitude. I lead with caring about the person. And then I lead with the facts at hand on what the decision is and why the decision is being made. And then how might I even support them during the transition? And while yeah. there might be tears, discomfort, and regret, I feel like they can always trust me, respect me. And we've paid respect to the humanity, even if it's bad. And, th- yeah. and so it's you don't have to be mean or aggressive in order to maybe have a thicker skin and still be kind. That's what I think. Yeah, that's one of the things I said at my retirement party was that I, I said they they believe that when we die, our whole life flashes before our face. And uh, there's been documented instances where people came back from death and had this experience. And I said, I when that happened, if that happens to me, I hope I don't think about work too much, but I, if I do, I know what I won't be the numbers. It won't be the achievements, the financial achievements. It'll be the relationships and uh, the friendships and the, the part we've had in each other's lives uh, throughout the years. And uh, to me, that's the most rewarding part about working um, and when leading. That's why I, people say, why, why'd you want to be a leader? I said, I think you get to be a part of people's lives and uh, see them grow and uh, and they help you and you help them. And to me, that's that's what's so rewarding about it. I'd love to ask you one last question because this sure. helps me in the work that I do because I serve CEOs, founders, presidents, or other C-suite leaders like VPs of operations. And I know some of the challenges that they have and that I can be of service to them, but I also, from your perspective, either personally or from CEOs in general, what are some of the challenges that they might have that, you know, prevent them from being successful? Because I want to make sure that I too could potentially be part of the solution. So what have you seen at that level? I think um, success can sometimes corrupt you. I've seen people who got off the great stars. They're highly intelligent. They had good ideas, but they lost their humility. And I would say that it's really important to remember where you came from, to understand that uh, no one accomplishes anything alone. It's always because of the people around you to keep your humility, to keep uh, stay grounded and uh, have people around you who will help you do that. Um, and if you have that trust where you can disagree and, and have those type of uh, strong relationships that that will help that. And I've seen it happen even at lower levels. It's not just with CEOs, but I've seen people who are great at a job. It's, it's sort of a weird twist on the Peter principle where they were really good and then they got to the next level and something went wrong. And it's usually their ego. Um, you know, the Peter principle is you, we promote to our own level of incompetence, but this is a little bit of a twist on that, that something happens to people uh, success can corrupt at times. 
So that would be the watch out, I think. I I really, really appreciate that insight because, again, I'm forever, you know, I have my experiences on where I've seen them go off track. Again, The CEO's Compass, Your Guide to Get on Track is my book. But I, I appreciate you sharing a little bit of your thoughts and experience as well. So, Jay, this has been a great interview. I love, love your book, Manager's Bathroom Book. To my listeners, you absolutely need to get a copy of it. Check it out. Short chapters for you to gain so much insight for your career. But I would love to give you the floor one last time. Anything else you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, No, it's been a great conversation. I'd like to tell your listeners this was not scripted. Um, We just spoke freely. You're a very calming uh, interviewer. So, uh, I've enjoyed it and got to get a few good uh, points out about the book and myself, and uh, I've enjoyed it. So I'll be, I'll listening. I'll become a fan of your podcast in the future. All right. Well, so appreciate that, Jay. And I do want to thank you for dropping in on the Drop In CEO podcast. And as always, I want to wish you well and much success. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop In CEO podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.